I wonder if you can hear it. Most importantly, I wonder if the people around you can hear the song that's playing in your heart. It might be that you need to share the headphones with them. It might be that you need to send them a link on Spotify or whatever it might be. But there's a song and it needs sharing and that's what I want to talk about today. We're on this little um, series uh, just at the start of this year around five invitations. Invitations to us as a church family, but also invitations to the whole of the community. Invitation to follow, to grow, to worship, to give. Don't forget the giving bit. Yeah? Talk to James, talk to Jesus, figure it out. Don't talk to me. And today, to go. If you've missed any of the talks, they are online. Uh, I really want you to make sure that you are on the same page with us on this journey. If you, if you don't like the page, come and tell me. Okay, we'll have a good discussion. We'll have a coffee over it. I'll win, but we'll have a coffee over it. Um, if you're not in a small group, is Mandy here this morning? Mandy, give us a wave. Go and see Mandy, okay? Because if you want to grow strong as a Christian, being a disciple, the best way to do it is in a small group with some other people. So go and see Mandy, and she can help to get you in a small group. You know, I'm here this morning because I believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, in the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in people. I believe that Jesus has paid the price for all of our sin, the whole of humanity, past, present and future on the cross, and that he did it once for all, and that he is still changing lives today. Do you believe that? You know, from the way that you were singing this morning, I think you do. That was good. It was good. But before we get into some of the good stuff, let's just do a reality check. You ready? This is the gloomy bit. This is the grumpy bit. I'll try not to make it very long. It goes like this. According to the UK census data, between 2001 and 2011... This is a strange phrase. We need to write to them and tell them they've got it wrong. The number of Christians born in Britain, I thought people made a choice, but anyway, um, fell by 5.3 million people between 2001 and 2000. That is about 10,000 people a week. If the current rate of decline continues at that rate, according to the census data there would be no Christians in the UK, born in the UK, by 2067. You ready? I've got some more bad news. Sorry. We've got to start from reality, okay? In 1983, 40% of people self-identified as Anglicans. Now, we know what that means. It means, you know, I'm an Anglican, yes, on my deathbed. 
Um, they didn't actually ever necessarily show up, okay? Maybe if it was Christmas or, you know, someone's wedding. But 40% of people in 1983 identified themselves as Anglicans. In 2014, 17%. A 23 percentage point drop. In 2014, the average Sunday attendance across all 16,000 C of E churches was, some of you will know this figure, 9,980,000. 9, it was the first time ever that C of E self-published figures dropped below a million people on a Sunday. In 2016, that figure had dropped to 740,000. As the Archbishop of Canterbury put it, Justin Welby, in some parts of the communion, decline in numbers has been a pattern for many years. Slight understatement. In England, our numbers have been falling by about 1% every year since the end of World War II. The culture is becoming, still Justin Welby, the culture is becoming anti-Christian, whether it's on matters of sexual immorality or the care for people at the beginning or the end of life, it's easy to paint a gloomy picture, he said. You ready for the good news? I've got a bit more bad news, I'm afraid. Sorry, it's going to get a little bit worse, but then it will get better. It's going to be all right. Hold tight. I don't think we need to be gloomy, but we do need to be real about where we are and the culture and the context that we're living in. You see, the reality is this. Christians in the UK are simply not reproducing themselves. We are not making new disciples faster than people are dying. The C of E is declining by about 1% a year, and the reason because there's about a 1% death rate per year. That's how many people are leaving, because they're dying. There are some churches and some denominations that are bucking the trend, but not many. Folks, the reality is this. The tide of faith is going out, and it's going out Fast, and it's getting faster. But Mark, this is all saints. We're alright, aren't we? Look, we can produce glossy leaflets that invite people to church. This is our best effort. We, we produce a term card with three services on a Sunday. We've got kids' work. It's amazing. We're doing alright, aren't we, Mark? Let me give you the numbers. And I say this as us, because I'm here too. In October 1987, the average attendance across the Sundays during October in 1987 was 504 people. Now, Tom has done a little bit of editing on the numbers because apparently there used to be a big harvest festival back then. And lots of guests used to come. So he's revised the number down for me. And apparently you could, a safe bet would have been about 400 as the 
1987 regular Sunday attendance. Hold 400 in your head. In October 2016, the average attendance at All Saints was 242. Start of this year, it's not all doom and gloom, start of this year, for that first Sunday, 7th of January, we had 285. But don't hold out for revival just yet. You know, we can't do the things that we've always done and expect a different set of results. Folks, we have to do things differently because the context is completely different. If we had amazing projection in this place, I would have put together a PowerPoint. But I'll save that until after the rock project's done. There is a wonderful picture of a bridge after a hurricane. And the bridge is over the ground. And what's happened overnight with the hurricane is the river has moved. So the bridge is now in the wrong place. Folks, the river moved and the church nationally finds itself in the wrong place doing the wrong things. When we have this uh, rock project and we look at our buildings, you know, the, the litmus test that I'm holding up against everything that we are doing in this place is, is this for the benefit of those who are not yet here? That's the litmus test I want to hold up against all of this project. Whether it costs a million pounds or ten million pounds, it's less than ten million. Don't panic. Just under three, we hope. That's the test. You know, I, I was in, a, I was in a, a lecture this week and I got a little bit bored at one point. It was very good, but my brain just does that. And I, and I happened to open up the plans that we're drawing up, 25th of Feb. Don't forget that date. Be here. We're going to show you the plans. They're exciting. I was looking at the plans for here and I was thinking, what could we do in here if you get rid of these? Suddenly, it's really exciting. Suddenly, we can do church in the mountain. Suddenly, we can have a ball in here and invite the whole of Western. Wouldn't that be fun? And then tell them about Jesus. You know, that project has got to be about unlocking this space for the whole of Western so that we can share the good news of Jesus with them. That's why I'm in it. That's why I'm enthusiastically supporting it on the 25th. You know, it's not all doom and gloom. Let me tell you some good news stories. I tell you these, and they are from my last place, and I say that because I had to wait eight months at St. Mag's for anyone to come to faith. So let me tell you about some of the folks from my last place. Robbie. Robbie used to come into the cafe. He had a, like a a woolly hat with sunglasses in them. He used to hold it down like this. (laughs) He was a great lad. By the time I left, he hadn't actually come to faith, but he was hanging around all the time. He came to all the Bible study stuff. He would come on a Sunday occasionally, 
and he was facing in the right direction. I hope and I pray for Robbie that he actually makes a decision to follow Jesus, even though actually he's already started following Jesus. And then there's AJ, who came to us as a 25-year-old. Left his life of addiction and made a clear choice to follow Jesus. Got himself a flat, got himself a job. It's not been an easy ride. Gary, who was on the streets, he had been asboed from the whole area, so I have no idea how he managed to get to church. He must have sneaked in past all the CCTV. When he made a choice to follow Jesus and stop drinking because he was a chronic alcoholic, he was on team three days later, serving the coffee. You know, that takes courage, doesn't it? And believe me, it wasn't an easy ride. But it was an absolute pleasure to... Be- I remember one time he, 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 he fell off the wagon and I had, to, I had to walk him round Torquay and we ended up in a, in a restaurant um, at the top end of town and I had to buy him a ploughman's just to try and get some food in him to dilute the alcohol. Um, good guy. Following Jesus. Emma made a choice just last year to follow Jesus even though the cost for her was going to be really high. Richard didn't come, to, didn't come to follow Jesus because of me, came to follow Jesus in his 40s. Why? Because his wife had been hounding him for years. I met him when he was in his 70s. He had been healed about 10 years previously from pancreatic cancer. He was absolutely on fire for Jesus. And he knew that one day the pancreatic cancer would probably get him and take him home to Jesus. But he was absolutely sold out for Jesus. You know, God is at work. The stats are gloomy, but Jesus is powerfully in the business of taking people's lives and turning them round. I've worked in one of the wealthiest bits of Surrey and you know the addictions that go on in wealthy communities are the same as in poor communities. It's just rather than heroin and spice, it's a rather nice Chardonnay. And the drive's a little bit longer. Jesus is at work and what he wants to do is invite us to join in. I don't make a habit of quoting from Justin Welby, but there's two this morning, because they're good. Uh, Justin Welby, at the start of his ministry as the ABC, the Archbishop of Canterbury, said this, First, the church exists to worship God in Jesus Christ. Second, the church exists to make new disciples of Jesus Christ. Listen to this next bit. Everything else is decoration. Some of it may be necessary, useful or wonderful decoration, but it's decoration. We are here to worship Jesus Christ and to make disciples. I haven't written another fancy vision because that will do us for the next six months or a year. Just hold on to that. Everything else is just decoration. There is an urban legend told 
of a uh, bus company that had stopped picking up passengers from the bus stops. And the president of the bus company, apparently, I'm sure it's an urban myth, was summoned to his bosses to, be, to give an explanation as to why the buses were no longer picking up passengers from the bus stop. This was his supposed reply. If we stop to pick up passengers, how will we stay on schedule? If we stop to pick up passengers, how will we stay on schedule? Folks, sometimes we busy busy ourselves with so much stuff that we forget that we are in the disciple-making business. We're supposed to be picking up, well, not passengers, but fellow travellers. So, Matthew's Gospel. Um, I need one of these for this bit. Matthew's Gospel is amazing. If you've not ever sat down and read Matthew's Gospel as a coronation, read Matthew's Gospel and understand in your head that one of the maps that Matthew might have had as he wrote it was, this is the coronation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as King. And when you read it like that, what you realise is that when you get to the Great Commission, this is the enthronement, this is the coronation. The disciples worship him and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. They followed. They've grown in understanding. They worship. They have given everything and now he says to them, go. Well, you know, you might say to me, um, Mark, that's all right. You know, that's Matthew 28. He was a bit, Matthew was a bit heavy on all this stuff. Can't we go with one of the other Gospels and their endings? Because, you know, they're a little bit softer and a little bit gentler, aren't they? Should we just have a look? Just to see if you've got any wriggle room. Mark's Gospel. End of Mark's Gospel. It says, go into all the world in chapter 16. But you might say to me, but Mark, that's the bit that's written in italics, so it could well have been an add-on, so can't we just forget about that bit? Well, if you backtrack, I don't think you can, because you've got an angel sitting on a tomb, and the people have just come in to find Jesus' body, and what's the angel say? Go and tell. So sorry, Mark doesn't let you off the hook. What about Luke and Acts? They have their minds opened to the scriptures sins will forgiveness of sins will be preached but hey this is a great let out stay in the city until you have been clothed with power so Mark we haven't quite received enough of the Holy Spirit yet shouldn't we just wait on him and worship a little bit more before we go and do the kind of great commission going making disciples bit because that's a bit scary um, here's the problem the, the person that wrote Acts is the same person who wrote Luke at the beginning of Acts Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses and then what happens the Holy Spirit comes folks Pentecost has already happened were you aware of that 
Pentecost has already happened. You can wait, if you like, until the 20th of May when we celebrate Pentecost. Or you can accept the fact that it's already happened and receive what you need to receive now if Pentecost has not happened for you. If it's not happened for you yet, come and find some of the prayer team after the service. They would love to make Pentecost happen for you today so that you don't have that as an excuse anymore. Okay? Enough waiting. John's Gospel. You know, you might like the kind of soft, fluffy end of John's Gospel where Peter is reinstated and he's told to feed my sheep and look after the lambs. You know, it's all very pastoral and lovely. But the bit that comes just before it is this. John's Gospel is written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. So as we look at this passage today, I think that the church is beginning to take hold again of the Great Commission in Matthew 28. I really think it is. From the folks that that I know who are working this stuff through and thinking this stuff through, I think people are taking hold of it because the conversation is no more just about evangelism. We must go and do this thing so that you come to faith and we can sign you up as a kind of number. Oh, but by the way, I do think God is interested in numbers. You know, he died once for all. There's a book about it, numbers, in the Bible. It's at the beginning. Uh, You know, I think he's serious about everyone coming to faith. But it's not just about evangelism, about getting people to make a commitment. It's not just one person's work, as we saw right at the start. It's all of our work, and the work is to make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has not been given to the rector. Or not... Thank you. I think that was, I think that was a holler in agreement. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) It's been given to Jesus. And he says to me and to you, go. Go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that I've taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then right at the end, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm I'm coming into land. I want to give you some things to take away that you can actually do. Folks, we do live in a liberal, not a Christian culture. Okay, the UK is not a Christian country anymore. Let's just be real. It's a liberal it's a liberal country where the liberal agenda is the one that is currently king. It's the one that says, my truth, my experience trumps everything. And you know, that is a tough context to be a Christian in. The tide is going out and it's going out fast. We are already into the major cultural shift that leaves Christianity as a sideline, as a footnote in history. But you know what? The good news is this. There's no such thing as a Christian country. I've never met a Christian country who's made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ. 
people do that. And then laws get changed because of it. But people are the ones. So the opportunity is exactly the same today as it has always been. It's exactly the same. And we can either mop the floors while the boat sinks and pretend there's not a problem, or we can start to take the Great Commission really seriously. The old ways don't work. They don't work. We have to actually get out of the pew and go and talk to our neighbours. We can't just expect that everyone in our street is a Christian. You are the mission agency in this place. You and me are God's chosen people in this place to bring his good news to a hurting world. So let me give you just a couple of things that you can do. The first one is this. When you talk to people, listen prayerfully. Okay? Rather than ram the gospel... This is like me saying, don't preach the gospel. I'm saying that. Don't preach the gospel. Listen to their story first. Because in a liberal culture, if you preach the gospel to them, they ain't going to hear it. Because they're like, oh, you're another person that's telling me what to do. Listen. Tell them to tell you their story. And when they get to the painful bit, let them go on for a little bit and then say, oh, that sounds really tough. I'd love to pray for you. And they go, oh yeah, that's nice. And they go, no, right now. And lay a hand on them and ask for the Holy Spirit to come and bring them healing and peace where it hurts. Because then they will have had an experience that needs explaining. And then you can start to talk about the Gospel. So listen prayerfully. Use your story. Each one of you are witnesses to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your story has power in this culture. Because it's your story and no one can contend it. Because it's your truth. I mean, it is the truth too. But your story has power because it's your story. So get in front of the mirror or with your husband or your wife or uncle or whoever it might be and practice your story. Even if you've been a Christian since you were born. The story is fantastic. I've been brought up in a Christian home. This is my story. Made a choice to follow Jesus at four and 15 and a few times after that. And you know, I've tried living without him and I can't do it. Because he's the life changer. And I think you should get to know him too. Invite people not to an event, but to an experience. To come and be part of community, prayerfully. We're going to have two services, one in February, February the 11th, and one in March. I can't remember the date, but it's in the glossy program we produced, so you can find it. Uh, That are going to be slightly different. Just a chance to experiment with a slightly more themed service at the 11 o'clock. So the, the one on the 11th of Feb is on the theme of love. Okay, we're going to talk about love. It's a great opportunity to invite some friends. Invite some, yeah, we'll sing some songs, but we'll also have some poetry. And we'll read, we'll read some, some of Song of Songs. Oh. Yeah, that'll wake everyone up. And we'll think about love. And we'll think about how God is love. And although it's a mess in the world, he is unfailing. Invite a friend, but don't invite him to an event. Invite them to an experience where they're going to meet community and bump into the King of Kings. Invite people to follow Jesus, not to join a club. You know, we can do all sorts of stuff around kind of club mentality. 
It's great, gets people so far, but at some point we've got to sit down and say, you know why I'm here? You know why I'm helping to do this? I'm helping because I believe in Jesus Christ. This is my story. Would you like to follow him? And invite people to do it. Who have you got around you? Right now, just clock. Maybe there's, maybe there's a neighbour who doesn't know. Maybe there's someone you sit opposite at work. Someone gave me the feedback this week and said, well, you know, Mark, in my, in my job I, I can't do this because there's, you know, there's professional etiquette. You know, that's fine. If this is a kind of client-boss relationship or whatever it might be, yeah, you can't share faith in that context. But you can do your job brilliantly. And you'll have colleagues. And you can irritate them by the way that you glow radiantly with Jesus. No, actually, some people do. So that they ask questions. Last thing. Pray for an opportunity. Pray for opportunities this week and then walk into them. Anyone got a pound in their pocket? Can you take it out? Come on. Who carries change? This is telling me this now little assessment of of who's in the congregation whether you're prepared for parking or not. (laughs) Come on, if you've got a pound in your pocket, take it out and hold it up. Yeah, two pound will do. Hold it up. Who hasn't got a pound who really needs one? Needs one. Right. No, not you. I've been married. <laughs> right. On one side, it's got this funny picture of this old deer. She looks good in that, though, doesn't she? No wrinkles. I mean, she is looking good, isn't she? How does she keep going? She's amazing. On one side, it's got the queen. On the other side, it's got one pound, or two pound if you're on the third row. Mark chapter 1, verse 17, says this, Come and follow me. Not Mark, come and follow Jesus. And I will teach you how to fish for people. Side one. It's got the queen on it. The commission that you have is from a person who also happens to be God. Jesus Christ. He's got the authority to do it because the Father has invested everything in him. And he invites you and says, come and follow me. We don't follow God without a name. We follow Jesus. He's the way to the Father. And on the other side, there's a promise. It doesn't actually say, I'll pay the bearer one pound. But it would would if it was a note. There's a promise. I will teach you how to fish for people. Folks, that's the job the moment you choose to follow Jesus, he also sends you out into the world to make a difference, to make disciples.
So next time you've got a pound in your coin, remember what you've been called to. His authority, his charge, follow him. And he's given you a job that comes with a promise. I'll teach you to fish for people. Let me pray. And then we're going to sing one song. Is that all right? Can we do that? Is it a good one? That's excellent. Well, you know, not, I mean, we, we don't want, they're all good, but what we want now, we don't want like, be still for the present. Oh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> we're friends, I think. Um, come on, folks, let's stand. I'm going to pray. <laughs> Are we friends? What? Don't worry about the dog. Everyone just has to sing louder. And the dog will bark louder and we sing louder. It's going to be fine. Um, just for a moment, just think through those people that are around you. And in this moment, pray for them. Ask for an opportunity. And know this, that you don't go, you don't go with information. You go with revelation. Having met with Jesus Christ as his witnesses. Not information, but revelation. It's what people need in this culture. They need to hear your story. And know that as you go into the world to make disciples, that Jesus says, I am with you, even to the end of the, end of the age. So Holy Spirit, come and pour yourself out upon us. Lord, we receive afresh your great commission. We choose not to just look on with what's going on in our culture, but to be part of your kingdom move to reach all people for the glory of your name. Amen.